sometimes we get a message on people send us a question straight through our website mm -hmm. and this just guy just the entire message says please do scott's tots that's it no hello <laughs> no thanks no it just one please message. do scott's please do scott's tots i appreciate the brevity yeah out of paper out of stock there's friendly faces around the block break loose from the chains that are causing you pain Call Michael and Stanley, Jim Dwight Creed, call Andy and Kelly for your business paper needs or Dundamip. Then the people versus paper people, Dundamip. Then the people versus paper people, Dundamip. Then the people versus paper people. Hello and welcome to the Michael Scott Podcast Company, a show for fans of The Office by fans of The Office. I'm your host and CIA operative, Sean Roney. And I'm Edwin James, inventor of Computron. <laughs> and with us, as always, our producer in the warehouse, Mr. Alex Ward. Let's do this thing. Three, two, one. Can Five, I four, three, two. <laughs> now, now, now. Say it. Do it now. Do it now. Do it. Shake my hand. You will sell me this car. Shake my hand. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Every week we get together and talk about our favorite show, NBC's The Office. This week's episode we are calling Dwight Undercover. Um, this, is a, this is a pretty fun uh, idea for an episode that uh, I think Edwin had. The, 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 or, or no, Alex. It, it, you know, as, it your idea. as everything we do, it was a group effort. That's all. I think coming into this week, I, I think I sent you guys a message saying that I just wanted to talk about Dwight in some sort of form or fashion. Yes. And I think Alex mentioned schemes. And yeah. we've had this idea or this thing that we've kind of agreed on as we've talked about the show uh, over several, several hours uh, <laughs> that Dwight is always kind, Dwight might be at his funniest when he's planning or plotting something. Yes. Yeah. Like when Dwight has a master plan uh, in the works. He often uh, is, is at his best. Uh, so I think for this episode, this is going to be a fun one. Season four, episode one. Fun, right? Uh, <laughs> where we just kind of generally touch on some of Dwight's best schemes or plots uh, throughout the show. You know, um, I feel yeah. like our show, we get, uh, besides our mailbag episodes, we tend to get, we get really heady about a lot of office stuff. I get a little eye rolly at us even sometimes of like, okay, guys, we're going so <laughs> deep on the office here. Sometimes it's like, let's just have fun with Dwight. Let's just talk about Dwight and have fun with it. And this is kind of one of those of like, man, once we all started thinking about the times that he's doing this, it's almost every episode <laughs> that like, yeah, that he's yeah, got I something like cooking. We started with a handful of them, but mm -hmm. as soon as you start digging in, he's he's always up to something. He's very goal driven and mm -hmm. um, coming up with a, a systematic plan for accomplishing yeah. those goals. And I, I think before we break them down too, I mean, just to talk about sort of the wider like what Dwight brings to the role. And we've talked about this, of course, in Dwight's episode. Edmund brings us up before of just like of, of Dwight's Dwight really really caring about everything going on in the world of the office is the gasoline in the car for the show because like Michael mm. is just chaos Jim and Pam are stand-ins for the audience everyone else doesn't really care about their job and it's like you have to have Dwight really caring trying hard and wanting to achieve um, in the midst of everything going on in the show without it the office doesn't work and so this is this episode's basically we're just paying homage to all the times Dwight has done that right Dwight earnestly cares so much and throws himself into everything that he's doing um 
it does really set the tone uh, and does drive so much of the plot of the show. I think one thing to mention kind of up top is uh, we probably won't touch on every single instance. We might not go in depth on every single yes. instance just yes. because <laughs> yes. the more we prepped and we talked about this as well, we, we just keep finding them. Mm -hmm. So I think we'll talk about our favorites, some of the bigger ones, um, but I'm sure we'll, we'll miss something along the way. And y'all out there are great at letting us know when we miss stuff, <laughs> but keep in mind, there's we're trying to, trying to get as many episodes as we can out of a limited show so we're not talking about everything every time but um, and don't worry i do have some deeper character -y stuff that alex can roll his eyes at yes so. yes uh, uh before we get into it here i what do you guys think about this i sort of i think there's three main buckets of of dwight undercover there's his mm -hmm. schemes where he is scheming to achieve something or uh climb the ladder of chaos if you will uh he has hustles where he's just trying to make money and then he has missions, which is when corporate or Michael or someone sends him on a mission. They're all different. Yeah. They have their own flavors. Um, I think today we're focusing a lot more on just sort of the schemes when Dwight is working behind the scenes to topple someone or something um, and come out on top. But I would say, right. like, the missions, we could do a whole separate miss episode on Dwight's missions and on Dwight's hustles because um, he's very good at all three <laughs> of these things. But uh, so that's, that's something that. I was sort of categorizing them that way as I thought about this. The other thing, too, I think we, we probably won't dive into too much is Dwight covering up his relationship with Angela. Um, mm -hmm. I think Dwight and Angela deserves its own episode. It is a big enough topic. Definitely. And it's it kind of simplifies or clears up what we cover by kind of removing that from the equation. But let, let's jump into one. <laughs> yeah. The Venn diagram of missions, schemes, and hustles in the middle is Angela. It's a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Let's dive into one. I mean, uh, let's dive into the first one. Let's go in order. The Alliance. Yeah. Season uh, season one, episode four. Dwight's first scheme, and uh, and the first time we get, to, you know, the famous, uh, you know, if Dwight asks you to do something, uh, do you agree? You say absolutely, I do. Absolutely, I do. Do you want Do you want to form an alliance with me? Absolutely, I do. Um, this and you know going back and watching this scheme um he's playing this fast and loose he really doesn't have much of a plan he's he kind of just is going with you know uh jim throws a lot of wrenches into his plan i'm not really sure how forming an alliance with jim is going to get them not downsized uh, yeah I, yeah go ahead i was really struck by how um dwight seems to be acting with less surety uh with this particular plan today Within the rest of the uh, within the rest of the show, because later on he's so he knows step by step and moment by moment. We're five minutes ahead of schedule, right on schedule. But in this, right. he's he's being directed by Jim so much, and he's clearly just trying to hold on to his own job security. Um, mm -hmm. I, I I did really love when they get when they get kind of in their own heads about why Toby is ta eating lunch with Kevin. And how yes. they're connecting different departments. There are like fifteen people in the office. <laughs> There's inevitably going to be some uh, some overlap there. No kidding. It's funny that uh, in this this particular scheme, I mean, it's it's pretty much just like, hey, we're downsizing. Uh, let's help each other out. Like that's his alliance, right? And it's it's to figure out who he says. Okay, now we need to figure out who's vulnerable and who's protected. Um, so I guess that's the whole that's his whole play. Um, but he, of course, is recruiting Jim, who has been looking for a way to get back at him. Yeah, and and there's something funny too about I think this this is the episode. Hopefully, I'm not getting this wrong because I watched so much of the show today. <laughs> um, this is the one where he drags the water cooler over to his desk 
um, because uh, you know he doesn't get to hear what the scuttlebutt is um, since he brings his own water to work. Of but it, it's you start to see how these things, how Dwight thinks about these things. He, you know, he doesn't know what's going on and what people are thinking about downsizing. So, okay, step one: move the water cooler to my desk. Step two: form an alliance so that I can talk to somebody. Um, meanwhile, it's like may, maybe just make some casual conversation in the break room, Dwight. That he uh, he has. I mean, he's just playing right into Jim, though. It's really it's really a tough start for Dwight. I mean, he has the whole conversation about like, do you, do you want me to stay? Do you want me to stay here and you know stand next to the box? No, you need to go upstairs to the party so people don't notice we're both gone. I mean, already we're seeing Dwight's <laughs> schemes are quite literally leaving him alone in a box, isolated from the rest of everyone else, which is which is where Dwight thrives apparently. So I, this is the theme: is Dwight ends up alone usually at some point uh throughout all of these schemes <laughs> well and, th- and at the end of this one he ends up alone because he throws jim under the bus yes uh in front of roy that's right uh, before later dying his hair that's right <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> well but i think um, in, I, I think... In, in the overall in the overall umbrella of schemes this one's pretty tame and not much happens because yes. of it definitely and i don't know about you guys i didn't really find a good scheme in season two all the way up until uh, the coup, season three, episode three. There are moments in season two that kind of verge into that territory. I'm thinking of the secret when he's trying to investigate uh, Oscar. Um, And then in drug testing, when he has that bit of power and he's trying to run the series of interviews, these don't really fall into him plotting to any particular end, but they seem to share themes of Dwight enacting power or trying to uh, seize control. Yes. But let's go to right. the coup. Yeah, and, and last last quick thing on the alliance, because I think it actually is an important scene, is when Roy kind of breaks everything wide open, and we see Jim actually pressed, and Roy's like, what the hell's going on here? And and Jim is backtracking, like, I don't know how to explain this. Dwight asked me to be in an alliance, yada, yada. And then Dwight mm-hmm. is just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> He's um, kind of like behind that plant. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, so again, it's like, uh, it's like a lot of the ways that Dwight can always get Jim is by turning it back on Jim in the end of like making Jim play the game and then Dwight insisting there was no game. Um, hmm. Likes that. Um, but let's jump to the coup because yes. I think that I think that this might be you know maybe the biggest scheme um, or one of the most important that he plays. Um, this is a this is a high stakes scheme. You know, it's it's not funny like the alliance or kind of vague and where it's supposed to end. He's taking Michael's job. He wants to take Michael's job. And um, what's interesting about so this scheme is. is... I want the bridge. <laughs> it's all on the table. <laughs> While he's eating pancakes with a side of waffles. It's all for me. Um, but I, I, what I love about this one is is Angela as as Dwight's Lady Macbeth as the one kind of you know, pushing him to, to you know, not be a coward and, and take the power, you know, take down Michael. And, you know, Dwight's, we see, I mean, we've seen Dwight's loyalty to Michael for two seasons now and just how quickly he's going to turn that um, uh, for his own chance at grabbing the power. Well, I think one of the things that I was struck by watching this episode back was how conflicted Dwight is in the parking lot trying to make that phone call again. <sighs> Yeah, <laughs> he was running, and the, and the way he's crouched on the phone in front of that bush. 
Oh my and gosh. he he finally makes his appeal to Jan. I think there there's something really interesting about how conflicted he is at this point in the show early on, making that play uh, to take over the branch. And make yeah. that play he does. I would say a couple things that come out of this. One, I've mentioned this on the show, but any scene with Dwight talking covertly, uh, wanting to not notice he's talking to someone, always the best. I think the coup also contains... I'll say it. I'll say it. I think it's the single best scene in the entire nine seasons of The Office is when Michael confronts him about the Crentist. I think it's almost a full two minutes and it takes its time. It's like it's it's seriously it's so long and it's just it's beautifully done. The acting, everything about it's perfect. And this whole episode is shot like it's like a Shakespearean play. The backstabbing, (laughs) the secret meetings, the lying the plays of power it's beautiful stuff and like that scene it's it's so tense and so funny there's there's something to like his you know when he's meeting with jan and he knows all these things about women's clothing stores that she likes to frequent (laughs) that you like a part of you is like maybe twice is there's something really like I don't know. You shouldn't. Uh, for a second, I'm like, maybe you shouldn't underestimate Dwight. But of course, he's unsuccessful. Uh huh. There's a new Ann Taylor I, outlet store near here. I know you like their <laughs> earrings. <laughs> I think one thing, Alex. I really, I agree with you uh, quite a bit with about the power of that last scene. I think it's yeah. one. Whenever I go back to rewatch this episode, I always kind of forget how funny that scene is and how dramatic they play it out and how quickly Dwight falls to his knees at the end. And I think, I think, hug it out, bitch, is one of the long lost. Yeah. forgotten yeah. catchphrases in the office. I think it's yeah. such a funny catchphrase and they never go back to it. Um, but I, uh, another reason why this one stands out so much is that Dwight really, really makes his gambit, but he fails. I think that's so important um, to where we are kind of in the show and with Dwight's character is that Dwight as a character is not a person who's set up to succeed. Um, mm, he's a yeah. person who has this ambition, but he doesn't really know how to realize it because of his loyalty to Michael um, and his loyal and his loyalty to the company. They're so opposed mm-hmm. um, after Michael makes them watch movies. Um, mm. But I was I was really struck by that in comparison to the way that some of his other plans play out later on in the show. Yeah, and I mean this one like you could compare you could compare this episode. Okay, like we skipped over pretty much season two, but you think about mm-hmm. like drug testing, right? Like that's that's a mission given by Michael. That's the mm-hmm. time when we see Michael give Dwight some power. And like you're saying, Edwin, Dwight is thirsty to sort of explore his ambitions and his the, the, the limits of, of his capabilities. And like drug testing, we get to see that. Uh, in this case, yeah, he has to do this. Uh, and it has to be a challenge to his own loyalty to Michael. And so that's why this episode is just is crackling good because it's, it's, it has so many things at play right now. The respect between Michael and Dwight... Uh, Dwight's self-respect, it all kind of comes crashing to a head. Um, and, and, and the, I mean, when Jan calls Michael, by the way, she, she's like, I had a very interesting conversation with one of your employees. Michael goes, oh, that's nice. No, it wasn't. Dwight told me, was, Dwight just told me he thinks he can run the branch better than you. He's, what? You were at the dentist? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's so good. So that when when uh, Dwight is groveling too, that's one of my favorite Michael yeah. uh, line deliveries. I have a laundry machine. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the sort of like uh, secret the negotiations between the two of them, and the, when Michael then schemes back against Dwight, and it all ends with I think one of the most poster worthy 
uh, images in the office of Dwight standing on the desk with the idiot sign around his neck at the very end uh, is one of the funniest <laughs> images in the show. I love a ouchie. Yeah. It's just Michael's <laughs> approval for him going to this dentist. I might be gone. It's far <laughs> from here. I might be gone three hours. Oof. Have fun. <laughs> oh, God. Well, uh, another great... Um, uh, one of <laughs> Another one of great... Uh, one of Dwight's great schemes that he does, not against Michael, but with him, is Branch Wars, yes. season four, episode 10. Uh, and this scheme is full of disguises, uh, explosives, violence, sabotage. Uh, it's exciting stuff. Sex, violence, murder... Yeah, and he cut a chunk of his penis off for nothing. <laughs> I I do love the idea that Michael when, when Michael and Dwight get to kind of play off each other, mm-hmm. um, there, there's something really funny about the way they bounce ideas off each other. Where uh, they, they, whose idea was it to bring warehouse uniforms? Whose idea was it to bring jumbo chalk and silly string and mm-hmm. gasoline to make bombs? Uh, who 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 said it would be badass first, Michael or Dwight? Uh, it would be pretty then, badass. <laughs> oh, it would be so badass. Yeah, I know. Uh, there's a, I love that scene where they're all they're standing outside the car and Jim says, We've been driving around with this in the car this entire time. <laughs> and and Dwight is miming the Molotov cocktail. <laughs> it's true. It's like um, Michael or Dwight on their own would probably not be capable of hatching such a plan, but put the two of them together, it's like two volatile chemicals. Like, you really don't know how there could be a massive explosion if you put those mm-hmm. two together. So Jim's there to obviously keep dousing the fuse so it doesn't, nothing goes off. Um, <laughs> which uh, which all we hear is the audio on the phone call of something that happens. And I wish... The guard's eyes. <laughs> I have to do something to his eyes. <laughs> But it's like I, it's 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 a great it's a great different flavor of, of what a Dwight schemes. And plus put anyone in a fake mustache. It's just funny. And there's mm. a great deleted scene where we actually get to see the two of them pinned up against the wall and Dwight just sprays silly string into the air as an act of <laughs> defiance. I guess it would be maybe to like cover up a camera or something <laughs> like a security camera, but I do um, love at the beginning of that episode as well. There, there are a number of episodes in the office where it begins in a really silly place, and then something more serious kind of causes the tone to shift. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking um, when at the Michael Scott Paper Company arc at the very beginning. Uh, I guess mm-hmm. New Boss would be the first episode where uh, they're planning Michael's party, and Jim is wearing a tux. Um, a similar thing happens in Branch Wars where <laughs> Michael and Dwight have that Ferris Bueller doll <laughs> yeah. of Michael sleeping at his desk, and that's their yeah. sort of plan together. Um, <laughs> And, and and Dwight is in on it with Michael. And then Stanley comes in. And I don't understand why you sleeping at your desk is better than you not being here. <laughs> oh, gosh. Because um, I will be with Ryan or, or maybe Daryl. <laughs> um, uh, also in Branch Wars, uh, the use of walkie-talkies and code names. Just another, you know, Dwight thinking that he's in the military or in the CIA. Um, it always seems to be part of his schemes. Um, Let's uh, moving on to something that maybe is sort of a longer scheme uh, is uh, Cuckolding Andy in seasons four and five. It's a long um, one. It's a long one. I mean, we, we included it because there's a few smaller schemes within, uh, particularly reselling uh, Andy's Xterra. 
Yes. Uh, as, as, as with all of these that we've mentioned, all of these are about power. I mean, all of this is about Dwight getting power. And Ooh. in some cases, it's power over the branch. Uh, it's power over Michael. It's power over Moe's. In this case, it's like it's, it's power over all these small things. And this one's like if he has power over Andy, he has power over their rela- his relationship with Angela, which is what he needs. <laughs> He almost gets sick with power yeah. from uh, selling the Xterra because then he makes the move <laughs> to have Michael hand over power to him later in that episode using the same tactic that uh, that we heard at the top of the show. Right. Doesn't work I, on Michael. I, no. I was struck watching this progression of episodes with uh, you know, at the beginning of season four where Dwight and Angela separate uh, and then Angela going on to date Andy or Andy making his his move uh, for Angela and them coming together and watching Dwight go from being very um, sad and, and very crushed, like in money when he's wailing mm. in the night uh, mm-hmm. versus <laughs> as time goes on, he begins to kind of strike back at Andy in these small little ways, uh, like selling the car, uh, like uh, interviewing or applying to Cornell. Uh, mm-hmm. He finds these little ways that he can kind of uh, get back at Andy. Um, and I was really struck by that. And I think while I was watching this, I kind of felt like if you watch Dwight's schemes over the course of the show, what we really see is him gaining confidence. And as that progresses, we also see his schemes and plans more and more likely to succeed or play out in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the time they don't, and it's pretty funny. It's played for comedic effect. But uh, it's it's very interesting to watch how they, they all fail at the very beginning. And then as time goes on, uh, he is more and more someone to be taken seriously. This whole this whole arc with Andy is sort of like Dwight going down to JV. Like he's been in varsity with Jim, and Jim keeps out playing him. So he's like, you know, go back to the G League, go down to JV for a little bit, get your confidence back up. So he just kind of messes with Andy for a while, and they start yeah. to work, and he gets better at his schemes. Um, like Stay- you mentioned, all of these things with Andy, and it um, Andy's just not they almost a, all work. They almost all, yeah. yeah. He's not Jim. He is much more gullible and much more susceptible to being fooled. Yes, indeed. No match for Dwight K. Schrute. No. You think, though, if he hadn't, if Dwight hadn't talked to Andy into selling him his Xterra, he probably wouldn't have been pinned in the duel, and he might have won that fight straight out for Angela. With the Because uh, then Andy <laughs> comes in with the hybrid, the quiet car, after the Xterra. So. That's right. The priest right. is silent under five miles an hour. That's he deserves right. to win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's move on to season five. Uh, Freeing Toby is a particularly good episode for scheming. Um, Dwight and Michael have their scheme together uh, to get uh, to frame Toby, put uh, Caprese salad in his desk. Mm-hmm. Um, Dwight, which of course has really no moral issue or ethical issues with, right? We see Michael struggling with it, but Dwight loves Since these things. Like, you know. Caprese salad. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that Dwight's one's hard one to who... sneak in. I gotta take it where I can get it. <laughs> yeah, Dwight's the one who marches the cops in, and you know says take him away. Like you know, he he's very driven, and I, I you know we, he he must have been a big part of planning this this scheme to frame Toby. But I but I almost want to talk about a different part of, well, of frame Toby. He oh. he places the call mm-hmm. where he says. Uh, yeah. Hello, there's a drug dealer on the premises of Dunder Mifflin Scranton who just returned from a mysterious vi- uh, vacation to Central America. My name is Andy Bernard. Again, my name, Andrew Bernard. 
<laughs> but then at the at the end of that episode, we get one of the great Dwight talking heads. Uh, what is my perfect crime? I break into Tiffany's at midnight. Do I go for the vault? No, I go for the chandelier. It's priceless. As I'm taking it down, a woman catches me. She tells me to stop. It's her father's business. She's Tiffany. <laughs> She's I say no. <laughs> I say no, we make love all night. In the morning, the cops come in and I escape in one of their uniforms. I tell her to meet me in Mexico, but I go to Canada. I don't trust her. Besides, I like the cold. 30 years later, I get a postcard. I have a son, and he's the chief of police. This is where the story gets interesting. 30, 30 year old <laughs> chief of police. Yeah. I tell Tiffany to meet me in Paris, by the Trocadero. She's been waiting for me all these years. She's never taken another, another lover. I don't care. I don't show up. I go to Berlin. That's where I stash the chandelier. <laughs> um, it's it, I, so many steps to this long-term plan. So many parts that make no sense. It, I'll escape it, in one of their it uniforms. Completely doesn't make sense. He doesn't get away with he he doesn't get anything for thirty years. It just every every single <laughs> step is so like cinematic and has his own like I mean it. It just goes to show how he how he imagines all these schemes playing out in his mind. He's really similar to Michael in that way. Like he really sees himself as a character in a movie all the time, and he's uh, always the protagonist of the movie. Can I give you guys <laughs> another one that is very similar yeah, to that? I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's Dwight's ideal dinner party, which oh, also yeah. doubles as a scheme. You know this one? <laughs> no. Uh, it's a deleted scene from Dinner Party, actually. So I'll read it to you really quickly. I'll tell you about my ideal dinner party. John Wilkes Booth, Lee Harvey Oswald, Osama bin Laden, John Wayne Gacy, Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer. Oh, hey, guys, welcome to my home. Oh, here comes the waiter with the soup. Hope you guys are hungry. Meanwhile, the waiter suddenly nods at me, but I don't acknowledge him. But I know he's an assassin because I trained him. Boom. Two minutes later, five dead psychopaths at my dining room table. All that's left to do is dispose of the bodies and collect the reward. Ugh, it's almost too easy. <laughs> there it is. His greatest scheme of all. Wow. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, he's, al- he's always thinking lo- long term. Um, it, yeah, if he can, if there's, you know, disguises and, and uh, uh, intrigue. It's always over the top. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. whatever, whatever, he can, whatever he can do to get dressed up in tactical gear, he's in. Right, right. Any, <laughs> any excuse. D- Dwight does love disguises as well, which we will get to. Uh, Prince Family Paper Season 5, Episode 13. Another co-scheme with Michael. Yeah, this is also falls under a bit of a mission category. But again, it's with Michael, and it's not a straight-up uh, let's take them out. It's let's figure out a way to do this that's, that yeah, that has some some intrigue and some cloak-and-dagger work, for sure, right. which is Dwight's Wait. calling card. When you talk about their their back and forth, when they are sitting outside staking out Prince Family Paper and Dwight is making these observations about them not going to lunch and uh, Michael makes the observation about clouds. Michael, get your clouds right. Uh, I love that. Uh, And there's that sort of interplay where they they tend to split paths in a way um, where Michael and Dwight are a little bit less close as the show goes on uh, in that. Michael at the end says, I'm not a shark. Mm-hmm. He doesn't right. want to give the information over to David Wallace. Um, but Dwight is the one who's really unafraid and committed to fill, fulfilling his duty to the company. Um, and then you get that great sort of bottom, bottom. bottom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, hey, shark. Yeah. Let me sharpen your teeth for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like. He's so giddy. I, I wonder if a lot of this from Dwight comes just like being raised on a farm. You're just. 
your look at life and death is much different. Your your it's it's just survival of the fittest. There's no compassion in a lot of ways. Not saying everybody raised on a farm is, is void of <laughs> compassion. Uh-oh. I'm just saying. Uh, I feel like for Dwight specifically, he you, I feel like you could trace a lot of his character down to just like the way he was raised, the way he was seemingly without feelings of any kind. Um, what 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 does he say after Will Ferrell um, shouts at him? You know something about me. You know I. I respect the Well, something about or... me, uh, I respond to strong leadership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right. So, I mean, I think that that speaks to, you know, when Dwight is pulling a scheme like this one, he's extremely confident and doesn't hesitate in the slightest. And that's because it came from the top, came from David Wallace. Well, I, and we see the same thing when he, when, when Dwight puts down the overhead slide that shows the, giving him authority over everyone in the office. Mm-hmm. When he's talking with Michael, again, He's waiting for just a yes. He's not. He doesn't do it, but he's he wants Michael to give him the approval. So he still has that very moral line between an order and just acting on his own as an agent. And he really struggles when it's just on his own, but he'll still do it. But if it's an order, he does it without any kind of thought or remorse. He's just like, these are my duties and I do right. it. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think that's why, like, in drug testing um, – we do see him hesitate for the first time mm-hmm. in one of these mm-hmm. situations, maybe because Michael's an authority, but the law is an authority, and he's and he's torn. Sure, but uh, but this one, and we know that, you know, and we know, we know that he has a, somewhat of a moral compass. I mean, he can use his scheming powers for good in Survivor Man, for example. Like he lets Michael do his thing in the woods, but he doesn't leave him alone in the woods. He's like, I'm going to hover right. around Michael and make sure he doesn't kill himself. And so I will even let him die. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Cut to. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. So, you know, he he's clearly capable of scheming in a way that he understands the, the bigger picture. In this case, an, Prince Family Paper, yes, he's an absolute uh, hired assassin and he has no qualms about it. He loves it. He loves it. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, Followed up well, by stress relief, by the way, right afterwards. Speaking of schemes, mm-hmm. I mean, he's really on a bender here <laughs> in season five. He really goes a lot of places, does a lot of damage. That is quite a scheme. Yeah, stress relief. I mean, again, multi-steps. He's thinking ahead of time. He set it all up and arranged, you know, for this fake fire. <laughs> he hammered he, keys he has a in the script. locks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Today, Smokey's going to save lives. <laughs> and the shot of him warming up the handle. I mean, that's in the credits for so long. Mm-hmm. Him, right. him scheming right there. Mm-hmm. What what I see from Dwight so often is with a lot of these plans and uh, plots, I think – I'm trying to avoid the word schemes because we've said so it many. every single time. <laughs> um, but with Dwight's machinations, ah, yes. uh, we, we see him trying to exert control his... over this, this bit of the world that he's carved out as <laughs> this place that he truly loves. So I think – as we go on, like we'll see it more and more, but it's basically Dwight trying to exert control where he's often at the whims of corporate and then Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, but is Dwight is trying to affect the world in a way that he can. And I think this is a good example of that, where he's controlled the, every little piece of the environment to set up this one uh, experience for his uh, coworkers. What moving on to season uh, later in season five, we got the Michael Scott Paper Company. Um, Again, this is uh, a time when Dwight's loyalty to Michael um, falls uh, below his aspirations uh, on a corporate level. You know, he wants to impress. Um, he, it takes him a while to realize um, that uh, 
Charles Miner's an authority figure that he should respect, but as soon as he does, no problem. He's throwing dead fish into the ceiling. He's wearing sleeves. He's making, he's ordering meatball parms. He is, I mean, he is ruthless. If he's a double-edged sword, there's no doubt. I was drawn to this one in particular because, and, I, and you actually kind of alluded to it a couple times, Alex, in this where he responds to strong leadership. We get that from Charles, uh, where he's, he's really impressed by his focus and invites him to get a beer, which is something that Michael mm. would never really express to him. And yeah. then, I like uh, the work ethic. Yeah, very <laughs> focused. Yeah. Uh, but then later on, uh, Dwight calls Michael and he's suddenly conflicted about giving him information about the company and about clients. And he's giving him this new situation where there's this $6. new guy. <laughs> I don't need $6 to help a friend. Uh, by the way, you owe me 10 bucks for gas. <laughs> Come on, that was four years ago. But... But Dwight is on the phone with Michael and he talks about this new guy, very Will Smith-esque. Yeah, right. Very and, cool. And, yeah, and, and uh, Michael doesn't really get what's going on the whole time. And then <laughs> Pam and Ryan have the paper, he's talking about you. And then at the end, he says, Dwight, is a new guy Charles? Is it Stanley? <laughs> it reminded me so much of the moment in uh, The Coup when you said, you were at the dentist? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Michael just does not follow. T takes him a second. <laughs> You have unleashed the wolf. Uh, it's beautiful stuff. But, man, speaking of undermining his own power, though, when he when Charles finally witnesses that the invention off conversation between Michael and Dwight, that's one of the all-time sobering moments any character has on this show. Just like, oh, my God, this guy's crazy. Well, that's David, golden ticket ideas, right? Is that in gold? Oh, yeah, that's a gold ticket. Yeah, you, but you are thinking about in the when, break room yes. cold cases. That's, that, yes, sorry, sorry. I got those Yeah, Dwight up. starts yeah. listing off. You're right. <laughs> you don't crack don't, a case, you solve a case. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. That's the right. case of the beat bandit. It was Mose and Socks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Jim, I use a bad apiarist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good stuff. Uh, well, anything else about. Oh. On the Michael Scott uh, paper company arc, this doesn't really happen until later, but is Dwight buying the building? Is that a scheme? Would you consider that a scheme? Is it a power uh, play? I just call it a that... shrewd investment. <laughs> a shrewd investment. investment. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's just an investment. That's a separate thing. Fair enough. In season six, we get uh, Jim Halpert as co-manager which, um, you know, obviously drives uh, Dwight crazy. We get his talking head. Ah, he's just screaming at the camera, um, which leads to several schemes. Um, first in The Lover, the Mallard, right? Mm. <laughs> uh, Mallard. He... <laughs> but very sneaky on Dwight's part. He has kind of like the red herring, or he, you know, uh, uses the pen. It's a really. mallard, he's not like, a herring. Yeah, you can't mix your animals. It's <laughs> um, not the Bavarian fairy tale. It it does it makes you think about Dwight's love of gadgets too. Um, of there's uh, a few times after this and before this that we see see him uh, using spy equipment like this. But uh, um, and his and the time he takes to put that walkie-talkie in the mallard, we do mm -hmm. get to see him carving it out and everything like that. Meanwhile, he's already got a separate <laughs> pen that's going to record everything. Yeah, he's, builds, he's gotten a lot better. 
it builds really slowly the different ways. I, I really love, I think this is one of the perfect sort of examples of where this happens in the show because Dwight tries so many different things. Um, in the promotion, I want to say, uh, he does. he's in that talking head where they're all stacked up in a very unique way. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, <laughs> I'm so mad about this. And uh, Dwight says, Aaron, Jim, out of the side of his mouth. Meredith mm-hmm. says, yeah, who said that? Dwight says, I think it was Creed. Yep. Creed goes, yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then later, there's like, tick, talk, right. tick, talk. Are we idiots? Mm-hmm. Tick, talk. Yeah. We go into Jim's desk, yeah. take his keys away from him, and drag him out of his office. What say you? <laughs> I, I say no. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, to my plan. Uh, <laughs> so that's one instance but then the mallard is another right. where, uh, and I think this is a perfect instance where we expect Dwight to be a little bit more uh, bumbling or a little less careful and then at the end there's that sort of very savage ice cold moment where he sneaks back in um, and adds the little speaker to the top of the pen and listens back to their conversation and says did you think I would really leave my listening device in a wooden mallard I'm not insane. There's something very, very kind of cold and evil. And then he just goes back to listening to like hours of Jim talking on the phone with Which is funny because that's, at the end of the day, that's all he's going to be doing is hearing Jim's call, just boring work calls for hours. Right. Which is great. But it is, it is, it does show a little self-awareness from Dwight that's like, I understand that you guys have been filming me doing this stuff for years and they don't work out, but look at how good I am now. Like, do you think, really think I would do that to Mallard? No. Um, and, and, ba- and Edwin was mentioning, uh, I think it's Scott's Tots, uh, when we get the employee of the month scheme. Yeah, that's the, la- like, that's the last best one, I think. Yeah. I think so, for sure. But, like, oh, man, it, there's just so many good parts to that. I mean, especially, <laughs> I think you could grow the best beard in this office. <laughs> Listen to that laugh. So infectious. While <laughs> he does that. any of the things I just said. <laughs> while he does that, all he does is open the fridge and take out a jar of mustard and put it on the counter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have business. Yeah. But um, he engineers but, it so well. He gets Andy to, to take on his Truman. idea. If you are listening to this, you are a lucky woman, Mike. I just, Dwight recordings came up. <laughs> I just to play that one. You are a lucky woman, Michael has said. Yeah, I mean, think so many steps, right? He makes Andy come up with the idea and suggest mm-hmm. it. Um, then he convinces Jim that he should, you know, follow some data system that he draws up and makes a whole spreadsheet and gives everyone all these scores and everything, figures out how Pam is going to win it, then Jim, then orders the cake. I mean, it's, and then, and then just planting the seeds in everybody's mind. And um, I think in, in this, in this uh, little story arc too, we also get him trying to buy favors from everybody mm-hmm. <laughs> which then becomes a favor off between Andy and Dwight. Do not test um, my politeness. <laughs> Andy bought lunch. Well, gosh, these tacos are complicated to make. I will make everyone's tacos. <laughs> Later on, that in blooper season where six. he carries it to the desk. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> really a really blooper. Uh, later on in season six, I think we get one of Dwight's best schemes. I love it when Dwight is playing private eye, you know, personal investigator. Yes. Um, and that the episode I'm thinking of, of course, is the cover-up season six, episode 24, when Dwight is uh, hired by Michael to follow mm-hmm. Donna. 
to see. On a if mi- she's Dwight cheating. on a mission. Yes. <laughs> yes. Indeed. Dwight weaponizing his sexuality. Uh, I guess you could call it that. I mean, he goes to the gym and, uh, you know, he buys Michael a month membership um, at that gym. And eight protein bars. Eight protein bars. I mean, Dwight goes into private eye mode immediately. Michael sneaks up on him in the break room, like blows on his ear. And then Dwight, he says, "I I need a good private eye. And Dwight gives him a business card and Michael says, this is you. And then, uh, Later, when he, he says, uh, I say this to all my clients, you may not like what I find. You might not like how I find it. And then he slides across the table. He goes into private eye mode instantaneously. <laughs> I know. And then, of course, his, his plan is step one, seduce Donna, then make love to her, then call Michael with the bad news. That's the plan. <laughs> it's a terrible plan. And the first step is sitting on the on the hood of his car with one leg up, wearing those Terminator glasses. <laughs> oh, hey there, stranger! Shots of Dwight's feet, always funny. Yeah, the socks. Yes. And and you know it is one of those things too, where Dwight is so detail oriented, and yet there's the little things like he needed to sign up for a one year gym membership right. in order to, in order to carry monthly. out this plan. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not paying for that. <laughs> um. You know what? He got him back for all the pizzas that Michael made him buy uh, when, they, when, they're kid- when they kidnapped the, the other kid. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, let's see. Moving on to. Well, there's also the whole, I mean, we, we did a, we've done a whole episode about Saber. We did a whole episode about the Florida arc. So we, I don't think we need to go too much into Dwight's scheme to become, you know, the VP uh, for Saber down there, um, which, again, is not really a scheme it's just sort of his personal mission to achieve that status but he goes about it very schemingly uh including <laughs> including recruiting gabe to poison a drink i mean that's it's about oh, as bad as yeah. it gets that's about the biggest crime uh, we see dwight committing here besides we, stress we, relief we spend a lot of time on that in our episode about the florida arc so yeah. yeah to your point i don't think we need to rehash every single moment of that um, but I do think, I mean, I don't know if this is where you were kind of headed, Sean, but I think in season seven, when he goes for the manager position, I think that's, right. or, or the, oh, sure. the series of episodes where after Michael leaves, uh, where Dwight becomes the manager for a moment and then, uh, has to vie for it again, I think is really important. It kind of shows his planning. He really ability. shoots himself in the foot on that one. Mm-hmm. Hey. Uh, another, Ayo. another example of Dwight's master of disguise. Uh, we get Jacques Souvenier, um, <laughs> you know, with a whole backstory and uh, and a whole, it's it's I mean it's very clever when you think about it. You know that he's a you know full body burn victim, so therefore he you know must hide his face. It says is, here is it uh, clever? that in your last role you were assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> regional manager. Assistant regional manager. Jim's like, what's that? I love I love Aaron though coming in and being like, he's. All messed up. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell him to go get lost. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> uh, I think, you know, we were talking about Dwight, uh, or, or I, I guess I was talking about this, but Dwight trying to exert control in the world and Dwight consistently kind of vying for that manager position. I think uh, when Jim gets the co-manager position, it's such a huge shock to Dwight and it leads to that screaming talking head. And when he does finally get the manager position from Joe because Jim turns it down, Dwight mentions how he's in his acting manager role. He is at the peak happiness that he'll ever experience. And he falls from that so quickly um, that it really kind of sets up 
what his motivations are for the rest of the show. I mean, Dwight, we can look at Dwight's character arc and his motivations and development through these little plans. And the season seven one, I think, is really important because when Robert California... Dwight has basically given up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's wearing sweats. He's growing out the stubble. He's reading the newspaper in Dwight's caffeine mm-hmm. corner, mm-hmm. and he has that uh, interaction with uh, Robert California. Stop trying and, to figure uh, me out. Yeah, yeah, I already did. Yeah. I know your nature. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he and at that point, he throws his hat back in the ring. It's good, and it, that's right. And and honestly, I mean, he he er, he does earn that interview again. Uh, you know, as Joe Bennett says, I like a little crazy. He earns that back, and. We do get that payoff, though, in the moment when Dwight does receive the phone call, that specific moment to become manager. When Dwight, when Jim hangs up the phone, pans over to Dwight, and his phone rings. And the way Dwight, he backs away very slightly from his from the phone, and he kind of looks at it. <laughs> it's like Neo when Neo gets the call in the Matrix. Yeah. And he knows what it's going to be. <laughs> and the way that Rain... He just prepares the himself. The way Rain Wilson, his physical posture, the way he picks up the phone and says hello, is... <laughs> Is it's this payoff of what we've been talking about this whole episode for seasons of trying to get power, and he has this moment where he finally gets it, and it's just brilliantly done by Rain Wilson. It's it's yeah. such a good payoff. But before we move on from season seven, I do back it up real quick uh, to uh, Classy Christmas, uh, mm-hmm. the Christmas episode from this season. Finally, we get Dwight getting the best of Jim, and and using all of his tactics almost uh you know we get uh we, he has, we learn that he has a disguise for everyone in the office yes he does <laughs> including <laughs> when he pulls up from his hand in the M&M jar as kevin <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, he's God. got pr- he doesn't just have the wig he's got the props he's got the crossword for St- <laughs> for stanley and i mean that can i just say as a as a lover of office gifts that is one of the great office gifts. Mm-hmm. It is. It is the gift that keeps on giving. Mm-hmm. Little did you think that your nick, your adorable nicknames, would be the would be your undoing. Let that be a That's warning right. to all of you. Yeah. <laughs> that little shot. Yeah, we, that little shot of Dwight at the end just zooms in on him standing on top of the building, looking down at Jim, <laughs> and he's you know and he talks about fear. Is is yeah. it is really good, and it almost it almost settles the score between Jim and Dwight in a way where they've like. At this point in the show in season seven, that they're like intellectually, they're, they're equals now and they're capable of getting each other. And it kind of reminded me of the shot of like uh, Dwight, you know, think about seasons ago, Dwight on the roof waiting for the CIA to come pick him up and then destroy this phone. He throws his phone off the roof. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the same. He's standing in the same place, but he has the power now and he's looking down on Jim, freaking mm. him out. I thought about that scene too, but I thought about it when uh, he's locked the doors and he bursts out of the snowman oh yeah and is and is standing over jim throwing the snowballs at him he's wearing a full orange suit with a different color beanie yeah versus when he throws his phone off the roof he's wearing in like a black suit with an orange orange beanie beanie. yeah and that color just made me think about it when he when he puts his he puts his leg up on jim (laughs) and then just runs off yeah amazing it's really good it's really good and and like you said sean too very cinematic that shot with with some of the steam from the building and the way they oh, zoom gosh, in upwards, yeah. and it's it's sort of how Dwight imagines himself as this master villain, almost like he did it. He, he did he, it. He, he when Jim shudders at the flashing lights for the elevator, have you ever seen him do that? Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's really in Jim's head. Yeah. Yeah. And, and don't you think Dwight did that? Sure. He somehow did that. He went down and opened the thing. Like I know, and um, we see that again later on in uh, uh, Free Family Portrait Studio. Moving on to yeah. the next season. We see him Definitely. 
uh, or Sarah, that's in season nine, but we see, we see. That's at the end of season eight. It's at the very end of season eight. We see Dwight getting the best of Jim there too, at least psychologically. What's, what's interesting too, let's just go uh, ahead and jump into free family portraits of you. Oh, go ahead, Edwin. I'm sorry. That's one that I love because Dwight is actually not out to get Jim at all, but Jim has enacted what he thinks might've been going too far for Dwight, which is the tearaway Velcro suit prank which is amazing incredible Um, incredible and then for the rest of the episode jim is so worried about nothing and the photos of him holding his children in fear yeah yeah pam pam says we all we all agreed that dwight would never harm a child (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh i i like this scheme too because i you know you mentioned it alex that so many of these uh these schemes are about um, getting power or humiliating Jim or, or you know, yeah, rising in the ranks uh, corporately at Dunder Mifflin. But this might be the one time that it's about his family or, you know, uh, I mean, I guess besides uh, when he's uh, uh, scheming against Andy Bernard. But, sure. The, um, but still, he's trying to get power over Andy in that circumstance. And in this one, he just wants to, he just wants proof that this is his son. Yeah, there's even a name for this one, Operation Phoenix. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, just, it's like, it's, as, as Dwight gets older throughout the show, it goes from wanting power to, to just wanting a family. He is, his lust for power sort of starts to fade. An heir. Yeah, it's, and, and, and he's just looking to be a father and have some, some offspring at that point. Um, I think the other one that happens in season eight, and we don't have to dig into this one too much, is Doomsday, where he introduces yeah. that Doomsday device. Uh, and I think that's one where Dwight has almost complete control. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he only relinquishes it in the end by having them appeal to his human side, which they don't really do uh, at other parts of the show. Right. And uh, same, thing with, and, same thing with the building, with having Pam mm-hmm. call him out on, the th- on his violations. Yeah, I right. mean, that's a, whole no- that's a whole other one where he's almost using his scheming powers to For get good. people to step up and to be good. And we see that his, Dwight has matured by the end of the show, and when that's why he's doing it. His tactics, there's such a range of tactics. He loves, you know, inception and, like, you know, <laughs> making someone think they came up with an idea, right? That Andy thinks, like, employee of the month was his, his idea. Um, he loves range diver- Wilson. <laughs> that's all. A wide range. All right, and that's our show, guys. Um, <laughs> um, uh, I mean, disguises. I mean, when uh, when we get um, uh, Free Family Portrait Studio, mm-hmm. uh, Mose is disguised as Dwight. <laughs> like, you know, he and uh, and you know, just that diversion that he uses. Um, I mean, and and going back to classy Christmas, he he builds a tiny catapult for that snowball. <laughs> mm-hmm. That goes in a little box. I mean, the the amount of work and the, you know the mallard is a diversion, just sure. like Moe's, you know, driving off in a different car. You, you could even argue, Sean, that he went through the entire rigmarole of putting Hay Place on just as a scheme to crown himself Hay King for one day. <laughs> you yeah. could certainly that, that is it's a lot 100% of effort. It's a lot. He of says effort. it in a talking head. Yeah. Did I yeah. engineer this entire thing just to fulfill some old childhood fantasy? <laughs> Yes. yes. <laughs> His Machiavellian operations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am an island, and on that island, there is a volcano that will be erupting with the liquid hot uh, magma of strategy. <laughs> it's where he tries to get uh, Megad- He tries to get Jim to 
go back home uh, for more Megadesk. You can do more Megadesk. <laughs> yeah. The crow. Um, guys, is there are there any are there any uh, schemes or Dwight undercover any things that any things that we missed? I just have kind of a quick list of some other ones. Go sure. for it. Um, and we probably all have a few. But I mentioned the Hay Place is just a scheme to be Hay King. He teams up with Toby to provide to prove that Daryl's claim is fraudulent as far as the injury That's goes. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Another private investigator. Yes. Another uh, mission private eye right. type deal. Um, Mm-hmm. I said buying the building is almost a scheme against Dunder Mifflin, sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim mm-hmm. for Muscle is not a scheme, but a scam, at least initially. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Gravel Bucket we'll Squad. White scams another day. <laughs> yeah. uh, the daycare center is almost a scheme as well. Yeah. Of course, beach games. Sesame Avenue. Yeah. Uh, beach games. Uh, sabotage. sabotage uh, undermining oh, the competition. Oh, yeah, he loves sabotage. Yeah. All of beach games is one big game to Dwight. And then, of course, the Princess Unicorn price gouging. Oh, yeah. Again, more of a hustle. More of a hustle than a scheme, but mm-hmm. same thing. <laughs> uh, I can give you a couple quick ones from my side. I think uh, I, I always think of Starmageddon in season nine, uh, <laughs> which is uh, a very contained, and we have Clark as the witness, but that's another moment where we have to take Dwight seriously. As Stanley says, for a threat to be credible, and then he gets hit with the tranquilizer dart. Uh, <laughs> ooh, look at that baby. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> uh, but that's that's the big one from season nine that I can think of. I mean, lice isn't a scheme really, but like he has to he yeah. under, he puts on the the hazmat suit and does all these things to uh, to kind of uh, try to eradicate the lice. Uh, I think we've covered most of it. Although, like, if you want to yeah. get technical and talk about every time Dwight has some sort of plan or is trying to do something, it gets it covers most episodes. True, true. true. Happens a lot, and I mean, I, I I looked into like you know when he when he goes down to to Florida to you know uh, convince uh, Robert California oh, yes. to promote him and things like that. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think we basically covered everything. You in, know, in... I'm glad you mentioned that one. Just re- I, one last thing. Where okay, yeah, yeah, was, yeah. I think a really important moment for Dwight's development where. He doesn't respond to the sort of things that we think he would normally respond to, which is the the metal or the little like the the sort of approval that he gets from Robert. Uh, Dwight has evolved in what he wants. Uh, he says uh, it's a job interview, not a flea market. And there's something mm-hmm. there that kind of speaks to Dwight's growth um, where he knows that what he really wants is the manager position, um, which only happens later on. Even after he's sort of humbled and acknowledges that he's made too many mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, but then David Wallace comes back in the end and gives it to him. Right. Right. Um, I also love uh, Dwight just using violence on Gabe to get what he wants. Uh, another tactic of his. Uh, just putting him in the arm hold and then Gabe being like, Stephanie, help. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the receptionist just looks away. You're a fine toilet. I'm an extraordinary piece of crap. That, I was just going to say, that's where we get that line. And I'd, I'd say with that, uh, you know, this was a really fun topic. Dwight, such a complex character. We've already had a Dwight episode. Today we did schemes. We'll move on to Dwight and Angela at some point. Um, but uh, for now, let's move on to conference room. Five minutes. That means conference room, five minutes. No, no, five seconds. All right, so for this week's conference room segment, this question comes from Bailey on Facebook. Uh, 
Let's see. What do you think each character would spend their stimulus check on? Does Michael put it in his shoe and forget about it again? Does he buy another magic set? Ryan asks other people for theirs to put on college basketball games since he has a, his friend has a way to predict the winner of every single college basketball game. Um, I think that's a great question, and I'm excited to uh, hear what you guys think. Huh. Hmm. Well, I think, you know, we can get the boring ones out of the way. I'm sure Oscar's putting it into a, into some sort of savings account. Um, I think he might be spending it on Thai food and Spanish reds. That's true. Colombian whites. Mm. Uh, uh, mm. No, that's Robert California. That's Robert. That's yeah. RC. Yeah. Robert's, Robert's, <laughs> Robert's not going to remember how he spent his stimulus check because, well, he, mm. did, he wouldn't get one. But he probably would get one somehow. He'd, he'd, he'd know <laughs> someone who'd get him one. In Vino Veritas. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to guess... Kevin's gambling it away, or he's paying a bookie off. Mm. One of those two things. Some online poker. Probably the same. Some some funds to contribute to the Big Mac idea. He should pay his bookie, but instead he's going to try and double <laughs> it up like like uh, Uncut Gem style and pay him off that way. I'm going to take this petty cash and turn it into <laughs> next month's rent. <laughs> yeah, that's Kevin. Uh, yeah, I guess I did Oscar and, and Kevin. Angela's probably... Buying another cat, cat food, something mm-hmm. with cats. I don't know. I think she'd be investing it into an, some more of those monogrammed masks that she has. Oh, that's a good one. With the ah. Angela on the side. Maybe buying. She's a, gonna need them more than ever. Maybe buying mm-hmm. a, a higher quality webcam to to watch her animals at home while she's at work. <laughs> <laughs> like that. I really hope, for Michael's sake, that he buys the safety mittens to go with his sumo suit. Finally, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Uh, or, or a replacement for that fur coat that got uh, paint on it from Burlington. Mm-hmm. He loves Burlington Coat Factory. Oh, if you walk into Burlingame <laughs> Coat Factory with six hundred dollars, you are literally a king. <laughs> Burlington, not Burlingame. Burling- although there might be a yeah. Burlingame uh, one here in Portland. It's a, it's a neighborhood in Portland. That's I really, right. I, I wonder if, uh, I wonder if Dwight won't be buying more orange cones for Hank. <laughs> I mean, knowing Dwight, how many orange cones do you have? Dwight's probably gonna f- buy some equipment for Knights of the Night. Like he's gonna probably spend it on like some new new nightsticks for Knights of the Night. Well, they're unarmed. Uh, I guess a nightstick counts as They would arm, need huh? maybe more flashlights for flashlights. Yeah, pack. yeah, yeah. New new pack of batteries for the mag lights. Mm-hmm. They, they chew them up, those, those big lights. <laughs> I think Daryl will be buying some more dark-colored crew neck t-shirts that he'll wear to show under his dress shirt. Yes, yes. <laughs> R- who knows what Ryan, Ryan's, uh, Ryan's going to invest it or mm-hmm. use it as seed money to convince other people to give him money somehow. Mm-hmm. Dwight mm-hmm. and maybe maybe a new camera for his photography. Yeah, Jim and Pam are playing it cool. <laughs> Jim and Pam are probably putting it towards the house, the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Meredith probably paying Meredith. for that paying for that PhD. Yeah, <laughs> child psychology. Right. I mean, she has got that boot in her car. She's gonna have to pay for that at some point. Yeah, that's true. That's right. <laughs> that's true. You guys should stay for breakfast. I have Vienna sausages and napkins. I'm gonna guess. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Phyllis and Bob are going to like Boca Raton or something. Like they're gonna go on a trip to Florida. Ooh, uh, no mushroom. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> I don't know what it is. That one always <laughs> just get, makes me cringe there's a little just, bit. There's just something something about it. There's just Ugh. something about it. Um, so good. Yeah. Uh, who else? Stan- uh, Stanley. 
What's he doing? More crossword puzzles. I don't know. Investing in lunch. Yeah. Putting it towards his, his uh, decommissioned lighthouse fund. <laughs> yeah. <that's... laughs> I could see Erin uh, would just misunderstand entirely. I feel like she'd mail it back or something. Yeah, she'd be like, "Oh, they, <laughs> oh, they should. They wouldn't send me this," and she'd send it back. Or I, I'm not stimulus. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> she invests more into the ant farms. Yeah, I like that. I think Ooh. the ants are starting to farm. <laughs> For Christ's sake, someone just needs to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kelly, what's Kelly doing? She buying clothes. Buying clothes, clothes I think. Yeah. yeah. Probably Toby. I think to- mm-hmm. Toby would be patronizing the local ethnic restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. If we don't support these local restaurants, we're going to have nothing right. but I, pan pizzas and make your own salads. I guess that's a. <laughs> I guess that's a dimension to this question we didn't consider is if they're all getting stimulus checks, they're also in quarantine. Yes. So That's how I imagine it. So Toby's not going to the Lebanese restaurant. Uh, I think he, you know. You can get takeout. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. buying a lot of takeout right. for sure. Okay. That that kid from uh, Pizza Pie Alfredo. That's right. Is, uh, yeah, he's <laughs> dropping it off. Andy, what's Andy doing? Mm, that's a great question. Uh, vests, I think. <laughs> yeah, vests, clothes, pastel <laughs> pants. Andy and Kelly are both buying clothes. Maybe donating a, to Cornell. Yeah. Maybe a new ba- brothers, a, a new banjo, perhaps. Store. Yeah, or more. Oh yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe more vocal lessons. Uh, as he tries to make it big, mm. something like that. What about Creed? Oh man, Creed's Creed's running a Creed's running a scam to get people's stimulus checks. He's scamming Definitely. old. He's scamming people like him to get more. But I just imagine right. him photocopying the same check over and over again. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. William Charles Schneider also got a stimulus yeah. check. He <laughs> got oh, a you know he did. And you we, know, did. I don't think we'll ever know what Creed would, would ever do with his checks. I hope, I hope he replaces his mini fridge with a regular fridge. Mm. What about Gabe? Samurai swords, almond butter, a apple little, co- little cover up for his Adam's apple. <laughs> <laughs> little, little necktie. Uh, yeah, maybe a new, maybe a new synthesizer. That once he's using mm. for his soundscapes is pretty oh, small. Yeah. Oh, you know what? He's gonna have to replenish that seahorse powder. Oh, yeah. you're right. You're right. Yeah. And he took a lot of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good call. And a new fan because it got dough in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's anyone else. Pe- um, I don't know. I mean, unless we want to really get Nate. What would Nate? What, would, what is Nate gonna buy? Gum. 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 <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Daryl. Uh, I have the crew neck T-shirt. Oh, yeah, yeah, more right. likely. Maybe he'll buy. Co- uh, maybe he'll buy boxes of Girl Scout cookies from Jada. Yeah, yeah. He'll he buy might, out Jada. He might want a new keyboard too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, that is a great question. Thank you so much, much for sending that in. Oh, um, jo- yes. Thank you, baby. Joe Bennett's getting another great Dane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Joe, there's books in my chair. <laughs> um, Are you going to kill me? Also, just. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then just a bit of housekeeping too. We did a, yeah. a small collaboration with um, another podcast uh, recently, Schools Out Podcast with CJ and Alex. It's all about the TV show Degrassi, um, which I grew up watching, uh, and uh, you know made Drake famous. Uh, in case, uh, in case uh, you're a fan of Drake, but but uh, please go and check out their show. They those guys are super cool. And uh, they just finished covering the whole first season of Degrassi, and I've really been enjoying listening to that and reliving my adolescence 
uh, through their podcast. So um, please go, uh, please go check them out. And thank you, CJ and Alex, for shout out on your guys' show. Uh, in in that in that same vibe, uh, I wanted to uh, wish our, our our friend Ben in Australia a happy birthday and shout out Millie and Ben down in Australia. Uh, they said they listen on weekends, so hopefully this uh, maybe they'll listen on Ben's birthday, which is the twenty fourth. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice, awesome, uh, and and thank you to everyone. Like we're we're getting a lot of messages from folks that are that are really kind and uh, and um, we, it just means a lot. To, to all of you who sent us emails just saying thanks for doing the show and that you you enjoy hanging yeah. out with us and and uh, you know in in these these um, uncertain times uh, that we can keep you company it it just warms our hearts so thank you so much for sending those emails it really means a lot it really does and and, and we we, we oh, continue God. to get a lot of voicemails and other questions and again we we have to say you know we're not just like throwing them away we we do compile them and we get a lot of repeat questions and so we or, or stuff that we've we actually get a lot of questions about things we've already talked about in an episode that people just haven't caught up so if <laughs> if, if we don't answer that question or you don't hear about us i would say if, just listen to more episodes we probably covered at some point um but you guys are just awesome we'll also, have a we'll have a big mailbag coming yeah Somebody sent us a really nice message on Instagram about how they got their friend to watch the show uh, after a lot of convincing and then sent us this nice screenshot of them watching together like via iPads where they can watch episodes oh, together. And nice. I, I think I accidentally deleted it because for the life of me, I can't find it. Darn it. So send it again. Uh, <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel really bad that we did not. I kind of feel like Michael with uh, the sign at the blood drive. With found one glove. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I actually had one really quick thing to add in here. Um, we got Get an it. email from Maya, and during our last episode, we talked about the office reunion uh, they did on SGN as far as doing the wedding dance moves. And I talked about I talked about Oscar doing his very geometric dance moves, and she said, oh, "Actually, Oscar is actually voguing, which is a queer dance style with African American and oh. Latinx roots." His moves are a subtle nod to something totally in character and something to add I, when we do an Oscar episode. I always, I always wondered that because, like, he's. You should look up voguing. It's okay. crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I will. Like he's not doing it to the full extent that sure. people do it, but it is that like the arms and like it's. Yeah. But it's crazy. It's okay. really there's some really amazing. Uh, voguing dance. I gotta watch so thank it. You yeah. So thank you, Maya. That was that was great because I mean, you know, I I didn't know, and uh, and that's that's how I, now I'm educated. So thank you. One thing oh, yeah. that we will always be is relentlessly imperfect. We'll miss things along the way. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> always good to know more about like you know what what we're seeing. I think um, uh, one last thing I wanted to kind of hit was there was somebody. This this might be worthy of a Crime and Squire and see double time. Um, but there's someone recently. This has been going around who wrote an entire new season of The Office um, in script formats. I think there are ten episodes. Oh yeah. Um, let's see. I'll pull it up. His name is Nick Janicki, and I think this has been said to us a couple times uh, in the days leading up to this. Uh, so I don't think we've had a chance to really take a look at it at all. But uh, you can find it. It's categorized. I think he categorized it as fan fiction. But uh, you know, it's something worth checking out. There's a ton of uh, stuff to get through. Uh, it's 24 new episodes. Excuse me. So. Uh, a lot, a lot to get through. Uh, if, uh, if, wow, if you want to. Yeah. awesome, full season, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. certainly Jeez. quite an undertaking. Yeah. Well, uh, you guys, that was a great conference room. Let's do a little bit of trivia. Let's just do our thing, collect our hardware, and get the hell home. Uh, this trivia was sent to us today from one of our listeners, Will. So thank you very much, Will. Um, first question from the episode Dream Team, season five, episode twenty-two. 
What is the name of the bowling alley that Ryan works at? Oh, man. Oh. Mm -hmm. It's like I idle. It's idle something, right? Like something like uh -huh. idle, idle lanes? Idle. Idle. Oh. Idle hour lanes. Yes. Idle hour wow. lanes. Ah. Idle Nicely hour done. lanes. Wow. Very idle. good. I only, I only know that because I, I pulled a trivia question from his bowling alley scene a couple weeks ago. For sure. Michael Scott Paper Company, season five, episode 23. The Michael Scott Paper Company's first sale is sold to who? Russell from the Pancake Luncheon. That's it. Michael Scott Paper Company arc. What places are all of the clocks in the Michael Scott Paper Company office set to? London. Yes. Oh, yeah. New York. Tokyo. No. No. Paris. Yes. Beijing. Yes. Scranton. <laughs> USA. Yes. USA. It's funny. USA. Which is which is several time zones. <laughs> uh, so many time Their whiteboard is also set to Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> uh, heavy competition, season five, episode twenty-four. Can you recite the whole morning cheer that the Michael Scott Paper Company does? U G L Y, you ain't got no alibi. You ugly. Ha ha, you ugly. Uh, your mama says. Your mama says you ugly. You ugly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Michael Scott Paper, Paper Company. Company. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. <laughs> that's it. Ha, ha. Yeah, the ha, the ho ho. Yeah, that's got to be in there. Um, the list, season eight, episode one. What side are the, what side are the winners on the list? The right. Right or left? I'm gonna guess. I'll say right. I'm gonna guess left. And you say left. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is left. Yeah, baby. Right. Left, left to right. Winners and losers. Okay, guys. Three more questions here. The Mafia, season six, episode six. What is the name of the mechanic that Andy plays with the Mafia? Pat. Pat. Yep, that's right. Counseling, season seven, episode two. What is the name of the daycare that Dwight makes for Jim and Pam? Sesame Avenue. Sesame uh, Avenue Daycare Center. Yeah. School for, for, for school for oh right, for right. Yeah, school yeah. For yeah. but no that's me right. he is Sesame Avenue you guys got it um, all right last question I think I've asked that one before oh I, oh for sure I, and this one you guys are gonna know too but this is his last question uh, the client season two episode seven what is the name of the client oh my god I had it it's Tim Meadows yeah oh, Christian. Christian. That's it. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, Will, thank you so much yeah, for sending absolutely. in trivia. We love have, when people send I have us one trivia. more trivia question that oh, was yeah, also yeah, fans a minute because she only sent us one. This comes from Judy. But th yes, huge thank you to Will. Thank you for Judy for this one, which I liked. Name the five actors that have appeared on The Office who have also been nominated for an Academy Award. Oh. For an Academy Award. Yes. Um, oh, oh, uh, uh, Joe Spader. Bennett. Kathy, Kathy Bates. Bates is one. Kathy Bates, okay. James Spader is not no. one. Steve Carell. Yes. Mm. Are they? Did, is it actors and actresses, or is it just? Uh, not specific. Steve, I'll, I'll say no, this. Wait, Steve Carell. We guessed two already. <laughs> Steve Carell. Steve Carell is the only male on this list. Okay. So you've said. Oh, oh. Steve Carell oh, oh, and oh. Kathy Amy Bates. Adams. Amy Adams. Amy correct. Adams. Correct. Mm. 
And um, take Notaro. No. <laughs> is, is, uh, um, I don't remember her name, but Holly. I'll say this. Was, Amy, uh, Amy Ryan. Amy Ryan, yes. Name? I was going to say Amy Adams and Amy Ryan were in, uh, in the same, kind of played almost a similar character in, in mm-hmm. roles they were nominated for. Right, we right. have one more. Yes, it's 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 it, it's it's a stretch to say they really appeared in the office because they really only show up at the vi- Hillary Swank. No, at the no, ah. no, good one. <laughs> no, it, no, they do act in it. They do act in a scene on the office at, uh, almost at the very end for one scene. Oh, Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack. Or... Very good. Oh, oh wow. Very good. Nice, nice. That's, That's a, a great good, question. That's a, great a really one. Like, good trivia question. Yeah, should be asking more that aren't just in the show. Because, by the mm. way, I got to shout out Judy for this because she sent she sent this to me, and she she gave me like here's who it is, and then she gave me the answer, and there wasn't anything, and then under that she said I made the font color white to hide it until you gave up, so I had to highlight oh. over the blank space to show the answer. I was like, that's, that's a brilliant way to do it, so I very, couldn't that see That is it. very clever, yeah, very good. clever. Thank yeah. you so much for sending Great that scheme, in, Judy. Uh, Judy. And uh, <laughs> guys, please <laughs> please send us your questions, your comments, your trivia. Call us, 503-694-9314. We love to play the messages on the show. Uh, we have an email address, mspodcastcompany at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram, Michael Scott Podcast Company. We're on Twitter at Michael Scott Pod. We have a website, michaelscottpod.com. Special thanks to Ryan Lloyd, who helps us with our social media and does all our artwork. And this episode was recorded in our respective homes in Portland, Oregon. Uh, please remember to rate and review the show. It helps us, helps people find the show. But more important than that, uh, thank you so much for listening, for hanging out with us uh, here uh, in these in these crazy times uh we appreciate every single one of you uh stay safe be well take care pippity poppy give me this up yes Yes, sir hey you want to sing it with me almost heaven west virginia blue ridge mountain shenandoah river in german das leben ist outdoor Älteres die Bäume, jünger als die Berge, wenn wie der Wind take me home. Country road to the place I belong. West Virginia, Mount Mama, take me home. Country road, pick it in Stop. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.